Jewish audio on Chabad.org. We are learning Mesechtas Bavakama, Daf Tzadik Gimel. We are on Daf Tzadik Beis, Ahmed Beis, nine lines from the bottom of the Ahmed. We are in middle of the Gemara's recording of 17 exchanges between Rava and Rabba Barmari. So it continues the Gemara. We are up to the 14th exchange. What is the source for the following saying? That that the pit from which you drink from, do not throw earth in it. In English, it's don't spit in the pot that you drink from, or something like that. So to which Rabba Bamari responded, it says in the Pasik. In the Varim, Loitesaev Adoimi, Kyochihohu, Veloitesaev Mitzriki Gero Yisiba Arzai, do not abhor, do not treat with disgust the Edomites, they're your brothers, that's Asaf. And do not treat with disgust the Mitzrim because you were Gadim. We resided in their land. Now imagine the suffering that we underwent under the Mitzrim, the evil that they did to us. Nevertheless, there's a negative commandment in the Torah. We're not supposed to have a disgust with them. We're not allowed to abhor them because at the end of the day, we got a roof over our head there because we were residents in their homes. So Allah has come of a come. Continues. 15th. What's the source of the following saying? That that one person rightfully should tell the other that if you will lift the burden with me, then Dolina, I will lift it as well. But But if you will not work together with me, if you will not participate in the lifting, then Dolina, then I will also not lift it. In other words, there's a need for people to have skin in the game. Where does that come from? And here we have a pasuk in Parsha Shaftim that that Barak told her, referring to the Vayra Hanavia, that Imtelchi Imi, if you will join me in my battles, then Vahalachti, then I'll go as well. But the Imlaytelchi Imi, if you're not going to go with me, then Lahilech I will not go. Next, Inchi. What is the source of the following saying that Kad when we were young people, is Legavri, we were considered as if we were grown and important. But Hashto de but now that indeed we have grown old, is Ladardiki. People consider us like children. This is one of the inyanim here in America. It says the young are wow, and when you talk and get older and get smarter, then you look down at. Right, the last, second to last line in Rashi. Hashto de kashisha, de kashishna, achshav shehizaknu, hinunu shfalom kitanoikis. So where does it come from? Amalei, mikoriksiv. Initially, in Pashas Bishalach, when we left Mitzrayim, what does the Pasuk say? Vahashem hoilich lifneim yoimam, that Hashem went in front of us during the day, but Amudon on in a pillar of cloud. Lan choisam haderech to lead them on their way. Vahayla and at night, but Amud Eish. That Hashem led us with a pillar of fire to give light for us. In other words, it was Hashem, God Almighty Himself, that was leading us. But later, it says, This is a Pasuk and Parshas Mishpatim, that Hashem tells us that He's going to send a Malach in front of us. To look after us. In other words, when we were younger, Hashem Himself was with us. 
When we got older, it was only a malach. Now, by the way, we have in Pashas Kisisa that when Moshe Rabbeinu seized the Ace Ratzon, he asked of Hashem, Vayemer Elov, Im Ein Panecha Hoilchem Altaleinu Mizeh, that Moshe Rabbeinu actually succeeded in appealing to Hashem that at least during his lifetime there was no malach leading us. But after Moshe Rabbeinu's passing, when we went into Eretz Yisrael under the leadership of Yeshua, so there was a malach leading us. So this is an interesting concept. That sometimes, when people are younger, let's word it in a positive way, they have to be afforded more honor. Once people get older and they're smarter, then they don't need all of that. What is the source of the following saying? That basar marei nichsei. That if you follow a man of means, if you go after, if you hang out with wealthy people, you will take chunks from their fat. In other words, when you connect yourself to wealthy people, at least some of it will rub off on you. Just like we had in the yesterday, right? The a person is empty, they attract uh, bad people. When you hang around wealthy people, you know, some of that wears off. And obviously, we're not just speaking about physical or financial, that too. But to hang around people that are great people, and some of their great qualities will hopefully rub off Amalein, to which Rabbi responded, it says, in Parshish Bereshis, in Chumash Bereshis, in Parshish Lech Lecha, that v'gam l'loit ha'helech es Avram, ha'yotsoinu bakar ve'oyhalem, and where did Lloyd get his wealth from? He got his wealth because he was with Avram Avinum. And with this we conclude the 17 exchanges. And now the Gemara is going to go back to the first one. What was the first one on Zafzadik Beis? The first statement was, Avram Avinu davened for the well-being of Avimelech and his family. And as we learned to Toysviz, they were unable to give birth easily. And what Hashem responded was, Hashem Like Toysviz says, that when she gave birth to Yitzchak, it was an easy birth. So Amar Avchanan, the same thing that you have in the positive is also in the negative. That Hamoyseh din al whoever submits judgment to his fellow, to Hashem, in other words, if a person, when the person has an opportunity to readdress a grievance in front of a human basin, but instead of doing so, they call out and they say, God, you judge that person, they evoke the attribute of judgment. If that happens, that person is going to be punished first. Obviously, if the great perfect tzaddikim, there's nothing to punish them for. But just like the person who aroused the Nida of Rachamim, so being that, like in the case of Avram Avinu, he was the one that stimulated the Nida Sarachamim, he drew down into the world, it goes to the world through him. So if he has that need, he gets helped first. Likewise, in the opposite, if a person evokes the Nida of judgment, then the judgment goes through them first. And being that most of us are not tzaddikim, so this is something very important to learn not to do. Don't call out to God when there's an ability to deal with it here down on earth. You know, it says in the Zayar that the world always needs judgment and the world always needs mercy. And Hashem said the following, whenever there's judgment below, so then there's mercy from above. Because if we are applying Midas Hadin, then Hashem takes the position of being the Rachaman. 
And if God forbid, if we are the ones that are being overly compassionate with each other, there's no limits, there's no jinn, so then God has to take the position of being the dayan. And in other words, we should call out to God that God should have mercy on others. Instead of calling out to God, God judge others. Judge others, you try to judge them. Now we're not speaking about taking the law into our own hands, but the beauty of having a in here, that when people have grievances, they can uh, deal with it amongst themselves. And then you call out to God, ask God to have Rachmanes. Shneber as it says, that Vatoymer Sari al-Avram, that Sarai tells Avram, Hamasi Olechom, that my injustice is upon you. Sarai then had two grievances on Avram Avinu. One grievance was, is that she felt that if Avram Avinu would have davened for her to have a child, then not Hagrid would have had Yishmael, could be that also, but she also would have had a child. And furthermore, that when she realized that, that Hagar, while she was pregnant, spoke disrespectfully to her mistress, to Sarah, Avram Avinu overheard that, and she felt that he did not defend her. These were her grievances against him. And as the top Taisvis in the Amit says, that during, then, during that time, the basin of shame was functioning. And if she had a grievance with her husband, she should have taken him to the basin of shame. Today, to word it properly, it's not foreign, is that if you have an issue, work it out with each other. And if you need a third party, get a third party involved. But what she did was, is that she shouted out, she says, Yishbait Hashem May God judge between me and you. And the guy says, the Gemara of and it says, Vayavi Avraham, Lispait Lissada Vilavkaisa, that Avraham Avinu was the one that eulogized Sarah. She predeceased him. And that's because that she brought him to the world. Midas Hadin, and it affected her first. And the Gemara clarifies, Vahani Mili, this is only so the East lay Dina Ba'ara. When there is a based in here that are able to resolve the grievances. Obviously, if there's no based in here, then instead of, and, and you don't have the power to make the wrong right, just sitting frustrated is also not an Eitzah. Calling out to Hashem is something that Jews always do. Obviously, God is the master of the world. But again, ideally, let's deal with the dinim amongst each other, allowing Hashem to take the position of Rachamim. And more than that, when we are the ones that evoke Midas Rachamim, the Rachamim comes on us first, and oi, how we all need Rachamim. Continues the Gemara, Amar Rabbi Yitzchak, on the same theme, says, Rabbi Yitzchak, What was to the one who cries out more than the one who is subject of the outcry? Can you imagine? No, it's the one who cries out is the victim. But oi to him more than to the person who's the subject of the outcry. Again, in this scenario, where the victim could have stood up and, so to say, brought justice himself, properly, not vigilante, going to a basin, etc. And crying out to God has an effect. Hashem listens to our outcry. But again, but if that person is being judged, the one who provoked the outcry will be judged first. The same thing we learned in Abraisa, that the one who cries out, the one who is the subject of the outcry, they are both included in the Pasik that says that God says, I will hear the outcry, and I'll get upset. But at everyone, so to say. That the one who cried out will be the one who will be judged 
first. This is a Gemara that's corresponding to a Mimer Chazal that we learned way in the beginning. In Barachas Dav Zayin, right, the famous story, how Hashem also davens, and Abishmol ben Alisha the Kain Gadol shared one of his experiences that happened when he went into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And amongst what happened there is, is that Hashem asked Yishmol, bless me. Imagine, Hashem asked a tzaddik, that the tzaddik should bless Hashem. And one of the things the Gemara concludes is that we learn from that story, that al birchas hediyet Don't take a brachi, even of what you think is a commoner, lightly. Because if we, kaviyachal, have the power to bless Hashem, then any one of us has the power to bless the other. That's in the positive. And here it is in the, in the opposite. That a curse of someone who appears to be an hediyet, don't take it lightly. Don't think that it's going to be inconsequential. Why is that? Avimelech cursed Sodom and Venus Kaim Who was Avimelech? But it had an effect. As it says, that he nehu that after Avimelech, as we learned in the Mishnah, returned Sodom to Avram. And he gave Avram a thousand silver coins. And he tells Sodom that the money that I gave to your husband should be a covering for your eyes. Now, literally, like Rashi says in Chumash, that was done to prove that Avimelech did not molest Sarah. Because if, God forbid, if that would have happened, then normally what happens is, is that the molester loses respect to that person completely, and they don't give him anything. They just, they should let him free. But the fact that he paid Avram Avinu money, that's the psychology, that's a proof that he did nothing to her, that he respected her. That's the literal meaning, so that will be a covering. But he meant something deeper, and what he meant deeper was something not positive. That Omar Lam, that he told Sara, so to say, in between the lines, since you covered up from me. In other words, you did not reveal that Avram is your husband, and you caused me all of this headache. God forbid, that you should have sons. That are kisui einayim that have their eyes covered mean that they're blind, and then it's kind bizarre. The as it says, when Yitzchak got older, that his eyesight was dimmed. Amar says Rabbo, a person should be if he has to choose between between being the pursuer or being the one being pursued, should be the pursued. Not the pursuer, not the aggressor. There is no creature amongst the birds that are pursued more than the toidim ubnayayna, than pigeons and doves. And they are the only birds that are kosher on the mizbeach. As the tragic story that the great Kloisenberger Rebbe, right, the Rebbe Yekusil Yehuda, Halberstam, his wife and 11 children were murdered by the Nazis, by the Holocaust. So when he was being beaten once, a Nazi officer was laughing at him. And he was asking him, you consider yourselves the chosen people. Do you feel like you're chosen now? So he says, as long as you are the one beating and murdering innocent men, women, and children, and I'm the one getting beaten, then I still proclaim that I am from God's chosen people. Now it goes without saying that if we have the ability to kill them first, we're obligated to do so. We're not speaking about advocating people should allow themselves to be pursued 
when they could prevent it. And again, not only prevent it, if prevention means killing them, there's an obligation to kill them first. But on the other hand, if there is no such an option, then of course, even if it means getting beaten, we would rather take the beating than, God forbid, wrongfully beating another. Continues the Gemara quoting from the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that if one person tells the other, blind my eye, cut off my arm, break my foot, that person does it, the chayef to pay. Then the Mishnah says even if the victim, the victim, the one who's saying, you know, hurt me, says, almanas liftoid, hurt me on the condition that you will be off the hook. The Mishnah says if they beat you, they have to pay. However, the Mishnah contrasted that, that if I tell a person, ruin my property, you know, burn my garment, rip something that is of things, not me, and I add the words almanas lifter on the condition that you won't have to compensate, then that person does not have to compensate. And the Gemara is going to ask, what's the difference? If, if, the, if we take the person's words, almanas lifter, if it has an effect, why will there be a difference between me suggesting that when you are going to aggrieve me, my body or my property. Or we have this on the side from the Rosh. What is the difference? So Amale, so to which let's go with Rava. Rava responded, Adam A person never means to forgo his body, his limbs. I he says, beat me and you won't have to pay. He did not mean it. Now that's something very unusual. Normally we say, what you have in your heart doesn't count. It counts what you said. It's such a certainty that if you spoke, you know, the Rajbah says you spoke out of anger, you spoke out of anguish, you never meant it. And when you spoke about your garments, you didn't mean it. Ask the Gemara, if that's the case, does the person forgo his pain? Also not. But the question is, we learned in Abraisa that if one tells the other, Ha, Kaini, hit me. Or if one tells the other, Pizza, Aini, strike me. And he also adds the words, Almanas, Lifter, on the condition that you won't be obligated to pay me any financial damage. There, the Mishnah says, the guy is talking exempt. But if we have your logic that no one really forgoes a bodily injury, then why don't we say no one really forgoes pain? The Gemara is going to say later, it could be bodily injury especially if it's irreversible, you don't forego, you didn't mean it, and pain is not as bad as. But now the Gemara is comparing them together. So Ishtik, so Rava was quiet. So Amar, so now Rava goes back to the questionnaire, to Rav Asi Bar Chama, Mida, Shemi Allah Baha, Nu, what's your answer? Going back to our Mishnah, so Amar he responded, Really a person means what they say. And when they for, were forgoing the bodily damage, they talk him and to forgive it. However, when a person gets mutilated, not only is that something which is to the detriment of the victim, but it also brings a certain amount of shame to the whole family. And he had no right to forgo his family shame. You can't give away something that doesn't belong to you. Interesting. That's why the Mishnah says that you're still going to be chayv. And that does not apply to pain. The, the pegamish pacha, and that uh, does not apply to your things. You know, your thing got ruined, doesn't ashamed your family. If a person lost an arm, there's a certain pegamish pacha. It may be learned, Rab Oishaya, Omar, 
He explained this Mishnah likewise, that the reason why even if a person says, Almanas lifter, Yechayev, but when it comes to pain, you'll be pater, Mishum Pegah there's no Pegah by Tsar, but there is Pegah when a person loses a limb. Rava Amar Mishum She'ein Adamai Chalal Rashi like we learned before. And Rava now is telling you that there is a difference between pain and losing a limb. When it comes to losing a limb, a person never really meant it. When it comes to pain, maybe a person did mean it. And he said, you can hit, you can hit me, you can strike me, and you will be off the hook. So you attack off the hook. Rabbi Yechanan says that really there is no difference between bodily mutilation or pain. However, why do we have in the Mishnah that you're chayiv and in the Braisa that you're potter? That's because when it comes to people saying you could or cannot, like yes and no, this is a very famous statement. There are some times that you say yes and it means a no. There are some times that you say no and it means a yes. This is to make life exciting. For those, for those of us who are married, so Rabbi Yechon and Amar, this goes both ways, they have the same frustrations with us. That in other words, the reason why in our Mishnah, if a guy says, you can cut off my hand, and Almanas lift or Yechayev, that's when the saying, yes, you can do it, was in the context that it was sarcastic, or it was understood that he didn't really mean what he said. Every case is a case. But if you take a no, that's what he meant, then it will be different. Yesh lav, yesh hein shukalav. There was a yes, that is like a no. Called being tired also helps you understand this. Everything means the opposite. Oh. Oh, well, I want to make a very good point. So very good. So first of all, I'm not allowed to hurt myself. That was a sugi we learned yesterday, two daf ago. And let's go differently. Even according to the, even in the scenarios where when I tell you you can hurt me. And you hurt me and you'll be exempt from financial compensation because I gave up that right, you're not allowed to do it. There's no debate, there's no question about it. There's a law in the Torah, right? We spoke this out many times in Pasha Shaiftim, when God is telling the base that when they found that someone violated the law for which the Torah says to give them Malchus, give them Malchus, the Torah says, Lo Yosef, don't even add one, one zetz, even though the first 39 is a mitzvah. So for sure, no one has the right to hit another. No question about it. Here we're just speaking about finances. Am I, if I forgave, if I'm forgoing the, the compensation that normally you would have to pay to me. We learned so in the Braisa that a yes can mean a no, a no can mean a yes. And look how the Braisa is worded. If one tells the other, Hakeni, hit me. Or Pitsaini, strike me. So the person who got that request said, Yeshkoyach, I should strike you. And what, then pay you? So he says, Almanas, lift her. But will I be exempt? So the guy says, Hey, yes. In other words, he said yes in a way, like, yeah, of course not. You know, you have to know how to sing the, the hein. So then, or the opposite, the Braise gives an example. There's a yes, that's like a no. Rip my garment. So the guy says, Will I not have to pay you? So he tells him, well, You will not have to pay me? Of course you'll have to pay me. So no means yes. Okay, weiter. Then, according from the Mishnah, that if one tells the other, Shabir is Kadi, you can break my jug, Karak Susi, rip my garment, and he does it, he's Chayiv, but if he tells him, that was the Mishnah, but break my jug and you won't have to pay me, then he doesn't have to pay him. Again, according to Rabbi Yechelen, that's all, you have to see the context. According to the other answers, no, there's a difference. Bodily, 
I never really meant to forgive. It, my property, yeah, we take my words at their face value. Says the Gemara Vinimino, I have a contradiction. It says in Abraisa, in Parshas Mishpatim, in the portion speaking about the four guardians, that if one gave the other, it says in the Pasuk, Kiitin Ish El Re'eu Kesev Oikelim, and here the Gemara says the words, Lishmair, to guard. So we learn Velayla Abed. That when is a guardian responsible if he damaged that which belongs to someone else, if he was entrusted to guard it? But the Leila Abed, if he was told from the outset that he can lose it, then he won't be held responsible. In our Mishnah, he's only not held responsible if the owner explicitly told him, Al menas lifted. Break it and you won't be Chayev. But if you wouldn't say that, he will be Chayev. Here it, is, here it appears. That if I, if, I, if I ask you, be a guardian, watch this for me. And if you lose it, good, I don't care. Then you're not chayv. Or, you're chayv only if I told you to guard it, but not that I gave you permission to rip it. You're only chayv if you lose it, if I asked you to guard it, and I did not ask you to give it out to the poor. Because if I told you to give it out to the poor, if I told you you can rip it, if I told you you can lose it, then you won't be chayv. Even if I didn't use the words, Almanas Liftoid, a contradiction with the Mishnah. So, Amanafuno Lekashem. Ha, our Mishnah is the Asaliyade. It came into his hands before authorizing him to tear it. So, when the person received something to guard it, if later you told him, you know what? You can tear it. No, no, no. You'll be Chayef. You'll only be potted if he tells him explicitly, you can tear it and you won't be liable. But ha, the braisa, the layasaliyade. It never came into his hand. In other words, like Tracy says, the garment was laying on the road, my garment, and I told him, do me a favor. Do whatever you want with it. Take it. Keep it. Rip it. Lose it. Give it to the poor. It means it never even entered your hands as a guardian. There, you will be potter. From the beginning, I don't even have to tell the Amanas lifted. So Amalai Rabbah doesn't fit in the words in the Torah. Because when the Torah says, Kiyitin ish el if a man will give something to the other, and then the trader uses the words lishmer, implying that he told him what to do with it after it came into his hands. Not that even before he took it, he already told him, do whatever you want. Similar, but not exactly the same. Both our Mishnah and the Baraisa speaking about a guardian that already received guardianship. He already has that in his, under his domain. But the Mishnah was the Asaliyadi Shemiram. When I give you something, you took it. But in our Mishnah, the first thing I told you was guard it. So now that you became a guardian, if later I tell you, later, a moment later, later, a week later, I tell you, you know what? If you want, you can rip it. No, you can't rip it. Unless I tell you, you can rip it and you won't have to pay me. The Braisa was that it was already in your hand, but it, you didn't even know what this is. The first thing that I told you was, do whatever you want with it. Then you'll be put. And now comes the story regarding someone losing tzedakah money. Again, a guardian is responsible for, for that which they are guarding. But here we have in the Braisa that if I give you money and I tell you you can give it out to the poor, and if you lose it, you won't be responsible, not so simple. So says the Gemara, there was a purse that belonged to tzedakah that came to Pompadisa. Now we had this not that long ago that Rav Yosef was a Gabai tzedakah. But he didn't live in Pompadisa. So, Rav Yosef found someone whom he trusts, and he tells him, you watch over this purse. Right? There's a box, there's a money box, it's tzedakah money. Now, Pashaba, that person was negligent, 
negligent. He wasn't a ganav. He just didn't watch it properly. And also ganoving, ganvu on Steve's game and stole it. So now the question is, is he chayiv or not chayiv? And here he was not told it. To, Rabbi Yosef didn't say guard it for me. He told him, this is tzedakah money. You're guarding it for whom? For the poor. Who are the poor? The poor. Like if you're going to be chayiv, who are you chayiv to? Who's going to take you to a dentator? Says the Gemara, Achivei Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef told him, you got to pay up. There was that amount of money in the box. You, you got to make compensation for it. You were negligent. Amalei Abai, Abai says, we just learned in Arba Daisa, Lishmer that if you became a Shimer, but from the outset, you're not guiding it for a individual, you're guiding it for the poor, then you're exempt. That makes sense you should be exempt, because exactly who's taking you to a dentator? I cannot take you to a dentator for someone else's issue. Who's the owner of this money? The poor. Which poor? If one poor person is going to tell this guy, you lost my money box, he's going to say, that money was not going to go to you. How do you know it was yours? It's a, it's, it's a technical issue, but it's a real technical issue. So the Gemara clarifies that being that that money belonged to the Ania the Pompadissa. First of all, it belonged to the poor people exclusively of that city. And more than that, that Miketz Kaitz Luhu, that the Minig was that they were given a fixed amount of money every week. So it's not that there is no owners to the tzedakah box. The poor person knew, I'm getting a stipend. I'm getting every week $100. That money was coming from that box. So that's different. There you have people who are claiming it. That's why he needed to guard it for them. However, we see from our Gemara that if a person has a more, has a tzedakah account that was not yet designated to specific people in specific amounts, and there was negligence, Medinai Shamayim, the Chayev. But Medinai Adam, you can't take them to Adam Taito. Who is the claimant? Who is the Taiveya? You don't have a Taiveya. And the person, therefore, will be off the hook. And with this, Hadran Allah we will return to you, Pedek HaChaival. Starting the new Pedek, Dafzadi Gimalam and Beis. All right. Good. If that's what people learn when they learn, then oy geval to the learning. Okay. Says the Mishnah. <clears throat> we had the sugya on Daf Samach Hey and Daf Samach Zayin. So let's, this is Gavaldik. Hagoizel ate him if a person, God forbid, robbed wood. And even though the Mishnah is using the word Hagoizel, and we learned a lot that there is a difference between Gezela and Geneva for many dinim, for this it's not no difference. Even though the Mishnah is using robbing, it's robbing or stealing, out in the open, in the hiding, a person stole wood. And Va'asan Kalim, and he made the wood, he fashioned the wood into utensils. Or if a person, God forbid, steals tzemer, a person steals wool. Va'asan begadim, and he makes them into garments. And in Parshas Vayikrat says, The person sins, and they steal. So the Tater says the words, Ve'heshev es hagzela asher gazal, return the theft that you stole, the words Asher Gazal is extra. We had this on Daf Samach Zayin. And from there we learned in the Gemara that the words Asher Gazal means return that which you stole if it is still exactly the way it was when you stole it. But if it underwent a physical change, a Shinui, so now the, the robber acquires it, obviously he owes its value to the victim. But the article itself is not Asher Gazal. 
As the Gemara says in Samach Zayin, Domim Ba'alma Boy Yishaluma, you have to pay back the money. And if the person is a Ganif, they have to pay back Kefal, etc. But there's a concept called Shinui Kaina. That's going to be the whole sugi over here. With details. Simple. Important rule. Now, Mishas Hagzela. When do I have to give? If I stole something, I have to return it. I have to give you the value of this item as it was while I stole it. Now, look at this example. We're going to learn the Mishnah the way Rashi learns it. I'm saying this because there are many other ways of learning the Mishnah. It's Gvalik. Gazal Parah Me'uberes. Reuven steals, God forbid, he steals Shimon's pregnant cow. And while it's under the possession of the Ganav, of the Gazal of Reuven, the Yoda, the cow gave birth. And let's learn this the way Rashi learns it. Let's just get clarity in numbers. Let's say a cow was worth 100. Let's say a pregnant cow was worth 130. And let's say that a baby cow was worth 50. Makes sense. Now he's doing shuva, Reuven. What does he do? What are the options? Option number one is, you're kidding? The whole thing was a geneva. Give back the cow and give back the calf. Or we say, you know, one second, did he steal a calf? No, he stole a cow. Now, true, he stole a pregnant cow. Now the cow was not pregnant. What's the difference in price? $30. A cow was worth 100 A pregnant cow was worth 130 So the Mishnah is going to say the way Rashi learns, he does not have to give back the cow and the calf. He gives back the cow. Because what is Asher Gazal? The item that it is, the way it is, the way it was when he stole it, he has to return it. Is it Mamish the same? No. Because the cow was pregnant, now it's not. But still, the cow was the cow. I, the cow was worth more money, pay $30. But the calf he gets to keep. Or likewise, Rachel to Una, if Reuven steals a, 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 a lamb that was laddened with wool, and Ugezaza, the Ganef, the Gazlin, sheared it. Shorn wool is a Shinui. No wool on the lamb and wool off the lamb. He didn't steal wool off the lamb. So says the Mishnah, again the way Rashi learns, he has to give back the cow. He has to give back the lamb. But he doesn't have to give back the calf. He doesn't have to give back the wool. He doesn't even pay for the value of the calf. He doesn't even pay for the value of the wool. Like in the numbers with the calf, because the calf is worth 50. He doesn't give back 50, he gives back 30. Because he stole a pregnant cow that's worth 130. Fresh taste. Mishal on the main potter, Hoyimedes Leilet, he gives back the value, the way Rashi learns, the difference of the value of a cow that is going to give birth, a pregnant cow, versus the cow that he's returning, that's the money, the 30 is what he gives back. Or if it may rachel, he medesli gazes. Next case. Gazel, part of inesabra etzloi, if Uven steals a cow, and the cow was not pregnant. The cow became pregnant after it was stolen. And viola, and it gives birth. Or rachel, he steals a, a lamb, but when he stole the lamb, the lamb just underwent a chassidish haircut. Shtays had no hair. And while it was under the domain of the ganev, vinitano etzloi. It became laddened under the domain of the Ganav, and the Ganav stole it, and now the Ganav finally wakes up, he wants to do tshuva. So now what? So says the Mishnah, Mishalem Kishas Akzela. According to Rashi, he gives back the cow, and he gives back the lamb, and that's that. More of this in the Gemara. Zehaklal, this is the rule, says the Mishnah, Kol Hagazlanim, all robbers, Mishalmin Kishas Akzela, they give back. If there is a shinoi, 
and therefore there's no Asher Gazal return that which you stole. That which I stole is not here anymore. Then you give back its value from the value as it was while you stole it and not now. Again, a lot more of that in the Gemara. Let's just begin. So first of all, the Gemara speaking about the first case in the Mishnah, that if a person stole wood and he fashioned them into utensils, normally when you steal wood from wood into a keli, you first have to take each individual piece of wood and you have to plane it, you have to smooth it, you have to shape it, and then you knock them together and you make it into a keli. Now the process of taking a block of wood and fashioning it, smoothing it, even before you made it into a utensil, that is also already a change. It's a shinui. So says the Gemara, Amrim, they, said, they asked in the yeshiva, our Mishnah says, Eitzim, if Afghanov stole wood and he made them into utensils, apparently only then does he acquire it, which implies that Shifan, if he stole the Eitzim, and again, he smoothed them, he fashioned them, but he didn't yet turn them into utensils, then why? Apparently, then he doesn't give back money, then he gives back that itself. There's a problem with that, because it's a, it's a shinoi. There is a shinoi. Likewise, the Mishnah says that if a person stole wool and he fashioned them, he sewed them into clothing, only in, only then does he not give back the wool. Only then does he give back the value. And what value? Kishas hagzela, which implies that if a person steals wool and libnon, and he whitens them, that in, which is normally what you do before you sew them into a garment. Then why? Then, it's, then, you, then you don't give back money. Then you give back the whitened wool itself. Got a problem with that. Is there like a time where upping the value? The value issue we'll deal with later. But the focus here is the concept. Is that once you affect a shinui in the item that you stole, so you can't fulfill the Pasuk Asher Gazal. This is not Asher Gazal. Give back the value. So why did, the, why did the Mishnah give examples where you did various changes? Why wouldn't the first change be enough? mean he have a contradiction from a So It says, Gazal hates him if a person steals wood. This is raw wood. No, a log. And the sheep on, and you again, you smooth them or you shape them. You didn't fashion anything yet. But you, you, it's, it's not the same. Likewise, if a person stole Avanim stones, this sits on and he chiseled them, or, and if a person, God forbid, steals wool, the Libnon, and you whiten them. Or, Pishton, flax, Vinikohu, and you clean them, says the Braisa, that being that you changed that which you stole, so you cannot fulfill the Heshevis Hagzela Asher Gazel, give back the value. Again, how much value? The value that it had while you stole it. We'll get to that more tomorrow, Mitz Hashem. Mishalem Kishas Agzela. So it's a stira with our Mishnah. So Omer Abayim. Abayim gives a Gavaldic answer. Haha. Perfect. He uses the question into an answer. When you take wood and you fashion the wood, when you smooth the wood, that's called a Shinoi, that's irreversible. She'eno Chayzer. When you take pieces of fashioned wood and you put them together, make them into a utensil, we're speaking about, the, there are many times that if you simply take out the nails, you'll bring them back to the way they were before. That's called the Shinoi HaChaiser. Midoi Raisa, do you know when does the Ganaf acquire that object that he or she stole, and they only have to give back its value, that's when they make an irreversible change. 
A reversible change by title law, reverse it and give it back. But it's because of Takana Sashavim, because Takachamim wanted to facilitate someone's doing tshuva. And if a person who stole and then changed it would know that for me to do tshuva, I gotta lose all my work, I gotta take my house apart and give you back the beams, the person might not do tshuva. So the Chachamim added, and they said, help the person do tshuva, only give back the value. So Adarabah, our Mishnah spoke specifically about shinuyim that are reversible to tell you that even a shinoi ha-chayzer mid-rabbanon does not have to be returned. Beautiful. And what's a shinoi rabbanon That's the hadra, that's reversible. You know, and really by title law, a reversible change? Change! And give back the item that you stole. Elama, the Mishnah is telling you the din that we call takanas hashavim or takanas meresh, the takana on the beam. So the kolch chen shinoi of course, our Mishnah will agree, will agree with the case of the Braisa. A person steals uh, wool and he whitens them. We're calling this a Shinoi She'enoi Chayzer. Can't unwhiten it again. That's something that we'll learn more in the Amit. So that Avada, the Ganev, is kind of. Likewise, Eitzim Vaso Kalim. We're speaking about the Eitzim Mishupin. The Mishnah is speaking about that you, he already stole fashioned pieces of wood. He already stole smooth pieces of wood. The only thing he did was, he made them into a utensil. For example, my name is boards. So you had boards, and you knock the boards together, and you made it into a chvez, a raft. So, unknock it, you know, take out the nails. The shini the hard libriyasuhu. Because the ibayim, if he wants, is mishalaf pull the boards apart. Likewise, what is our Mishnah speaking about? Not that he stole raw wool. No, he already stole semer tavu. He already stole spun wool. And here, you if you, you know, he made it into a sweater. Undo it, unweave it, and you're back to the same thing that you stole. The because the ibayer sasale. And again, the kolchein shino deiraisa. The tana bara, the tana of the braisa shino deiraisa ktani was only speaking about a real change, a irreversible change. And Vishinu de Rabbanu But really the point of Abaya is, is that there is no machlaikas between the Mishnah and the Braisa. Simple, good. Comes along Ravashi and he disagrees with Abaya. And he says, Nisht, Tana, Didon, Shinu de Our Braisa only accepts that when the change is irreversible, does the Ganef only have to return money. Eitzim, and the case of our Mishnah, a person stole wood and he made them into a keli. You know what the Mishnah is talking about? He didn't do both steps. You don't need two steps. So we're giving an example. There's a utensil called a pestle. You know, you use it to knock the garlic into little pieces. All the Ganav did was he took a piece of wood and he smoothed it and he made it into a keli. That's a shinu yishayin for example, he made it into a pestle. That's mamish the case of the Braisa. Well, the Mishnah and the Braisa are speaking about the same case. Our Mishnah doesn't necessarily hold of Takana Sashavin. Our Mishnah doesn't necessarily hold that if the change is reversible, the Ganav still gets to keep it. No, return it, undo it, and return it. Likewise, what is our Mishnah speaking about? A person stole wool and he made them into utensils. It means namte, he made them into felts. Felts is, a, is, is material that you take raw wool and you press it together until it becomes a cloth. And it's also irreversible. It's only one step. Okay. 
whether our Mishnah holds of Takanas Medesh or not. Now, what we saw from the Braisa, Ravashi. Hey, I'm sorry, Bayan Ravashi. Good. Now, what we see from the Braisa, now that we mentioned the Braisa, the Braisa was giving examples of changes that are irreversible. So we get it, you know, you have a piece of wood and you fashion it, you smooth it. It's easy to understand that's called an irreversible change. What about whitening wool? That's the challenge. In the Braisa, one of the examples was a person steals wool and they whiten it, then they don't give back the wool. It's a different thing. Give back the money. How can you understand it? Now it's going to go the opposite. We learned the Braisa. The Braisa gave the example of Libun being a Shinoi, and the contradiction will be from a Mishnah. It says in the Mishnah that Lloyd, the Mishnah is speaking about the mitzvah called the Reishas Hagez, which means that when we own sheep, whenever it comes to sharing season, when we share the details, it's good to know the details, they have to share at least five lambs. The weight of the wool that goes off each lamb has to be at least one and a half mana. When I have that quantity or more, I have to give a portion to the Kayan. Midoraisa, there's no amount of the portion, very much like Truma. Midrabanan, it's at least one sixtieth. Now, says the Mishnah that if if before the person, the owner of the shearings gave the sixtieth Rashis Hagez to the Kayan, the owner painted it. He dyed it. Dying, not die to die. D-Y, not D-I-E. Oh. So now it's called a shinui. He changed it. And now that he changed it, Potter, he doesn't have to give anything to any Kayan. You know why? We had this also way back. Because he, now he owns it. Now he needed to give some of it to the Kayan. According to what we learned in the Mishnah, even though he doesn't have to give the thing itself, but he would have to give its value. But the question is to whom? Any coin that's going to come to him, he can respond, I was not going to give it to you to begin with. But we did have before that if this person always gave it to a specific coin, then that coin could demand the value of it. But Potter, the wool itself, he doesn't have to give. Because dyeing something is called an irreversible change. Oh, dying now. Libnoi says the Mishnah. But if he only whitened it and he did not die it, then Chayev he has to give it to the Kayan. The fetish that dying, that dying is called a change. Not dying as in dying, dying as in dying. But whitening is Nishkan change. Oh, I'm gonna buy like Hashem. Says Abaye, no. Oh, the Brisa goes according to Rab Shimon. That holds that whitening is a change. Ha Rabbanon. The Mishnah goes according to the Rabbanon. The Tanya. And we're quoting a Braise that's speaking about Tanisha Sagais. That if the owner Gezazi sheared the wool. And then, Tevai, then he spun it. Or after the shearing, before he gave the separation, Va'aragai, he braided it. Aim it started. Like we mentioned before, you have to have at least five lambs being shorn. You have to have a minimum amount from each lamb. But if before you hit the fifth lamb, you change the wool from the first ones, they're no longer in the world. So you never hit the number five. Now, what about Libnoi? What about if you whitened it? So here you have a machlegis. Rab Shimon holds, it does not combine. That's a raya 
that whitening is a change. So that's how you resolve the stira between Mishnah and Baraisa. Easy. Rava, Amar Rava says, I'll tell you even better. They both go according to Rav Shimon. The Mishnah speaking about the nafzei, nafutzei, that he only disentangled it. In other words, you disentangle it, the wool, we learned in another shir here, we went through this, how you make from the wool into the tzitzis. But first you, you, you disentangle it. And while you're disentangling it, you take out all the big pieces of dirt. You can Google it and see, it's a beautiful process, how they do it. That's called whitening, but that's not called the irreversible change. Uh-huh. The Mishnah, I'm sorry, the Braisa that says that it is a change, it's all Rav Shimon, is that not only did you disentangle it, but the Sarke Saruka, you combed it. It's called carding. They have two special combs, and, 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 and the way they, 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 they comb out, they comb out, and then they move it back. You have to watch it, it's hard to describe it. But once it's carded, that's an irreversible change. And that's the whitening that we're speaking about. Rabchia, but Avon Omar, very similar. That one is that you washed it. That's one type of whitening. And that you added sulfur to it. When you added sulfur, it's already a greater step in whitening. You know, there's different steps in it. There's no machloikis. The further down in the processing process, the more it's called the irreversible change. Now, says the Gemara, Hash, have a question. Now that I'll show you that Rab Shimon holds that even dying is not called a reversible change, is not called a irreversible change, dying is still called reversible, is Libun Havashinoi. So, what Rab Shimon is going to hold that whitening. Is a change. It doesn't make sense. The time we learned in Abraisa. Same thing of gracious Hagais. That Gaza's Rishoin, Rishoin Utsuvai. That if the owner of these lambs sheared one lamb, he didn't allow it to accumulate, and he dyed it. Or Rishon Rishon Utsuvai, he sheared the lambs, and he uh, spun them. Or Rishon Rishon Va'aragai, and he braided them. Says the Tanakama Ein Mitzdarif, it's called a irreversible change, and you don't combine one with the other, and there's no chiyuv to give reishas against. Rab Shimon ben Yehuda says in the name of Rab Shimon that if you died it, dying is not called the irreversible change, so it doesn't fit. It's a stira between Rab Shimon and Rab Shimon. If dying is called yes reversible, what whitening is not reversible. Again, ha the first is Rabbanon according to Rab Shimon. The second, the final Baraisa that we just learned is another opinion in Rab Shimon, as it says clearly. It's Rab Shimon when you would leave the Rab Shimon. So there's a machlaikas tanoim in Shitas Rab Shimon, which is never the ideal answer. So Rabba Amar, Lo'ilam Lepligi, Rabbanon Le'od Rab Shimon Yehuda. No, don't make it into a machlaikas, I'll leave it to Rab Shimon. There are different types of dying. Just like we learned there's different types of whitening, there are certain dyes that are reversible, and there are certain dyes that are not reversible. V'shani tseva, hoyel v'yochal aviroi, aladets fine, you can remove dye through a detergent, so it's not called irreversible. I v'chiktani hasam, lahispik litnoi layacha tzvoi potter, I, we learned before the Baraisa that says that even Abshimen holds, that if it was dyed, it's irreversible, and we learned it like, even like Abshimen, so it says the Gemara, Bekala Ilan Indigo, Indigo is a blue-violet for people in the Shmata business. That's a dye that the Loyava, all detergent in the world, 
won't take it off. Good. So now that we learned about the sugya of Shinoi and how our Mishnah holds that a irreversible change is called a change, says Abaya, putting together many opinions of Tanoim, that Rab Shimon ben Yehuda and Beishamai and Rab Eliezer ben Yaakov and Rab Shimon ben Elazar and Rab Yishmael they all hold that that a change remains in its place. In other words, there are certain changes that are not going to be used as now that you changed it, you acquired it, you will not acquire it. So says the Gemara Ben Yehuda which is what he learned over here that what? That if you died it, Let's quickly find Hashem and Yehuda that Sevai, that even if you dyed it, it's not considered the irreversible change. So Taisva says, hold on, Rab Shimon ben Yehuda, that quotes Rab Shimon, that says dying is not an irreversible change, we just explained it's not across the board. It, it, it's not irreversible when it is reversible, when you can clean it with detergent. But indigo is irreversible. So says Taisva, the last one of the Amid, Tema, Habitavai. Rab Shimon Yehuda admits that if you spun it, or if you braided it, then you were kind of it. How can you say that Rab Shimon Ben Yehuda holds that Shinoi Ben Mekaymer Aymet? Maida Shalei Pligi Ela B'Tzavai Mishum Dalechashivi Shinoi. As we just explained, Lefisha Ein Lefisha Lein Estana Gufat Semer because the wool itself didn't change. The dye that you put on, you can wash out with detergent. So clarifies twice is the last line in the Amid, the Yashlaimer, the Lav Dafka Amrudavar Echad. They don't manish all say the same thing. Ella, what they do say is, is that there are some degrees of change that don't affect the halach of changing. So we're going to bring a lot of Tanoim. They don't always hold exactly the same opinion. But the commonality between them is, is that they don't say as a simple statement, change acquires. No. Certain changes, yeah. Certain changes are certain changes that don't acquire. And Takabi brought a good rayam from what we learned that he holds that dying wool in the cases where it's not indigo, that's not called a change. And therefore, let's go back into the Gemara, let's have one more piece. And Beishamai, Mai, we just had this before, it's Chazara, the Tanya. We learned, we had this in the Afsama Chayamid base, that the Torah says, in Parshas Kisait say that, that if a woman, if a harlot, got paid with something that is of a type that could go on the altar, someone paid her with an animal, someone paid her with flour, that can never be offered as a carbon. So the question is, what happens if she got paid with something that she turned into something that can go on the Mizbeach? For example, the man gave us a, a gift, he gave her kernels, not flour, he gave her the kernels, and she made it into flour, or if someone gave her olives, and she made it into a shemen, or someone gave her an oven, and she made it into yayin. So here there's a machloikas. Tanachada says that it's usur because it's still considered esnan zayna. Even though there was a change, Still usher. And Batana Idah, we learned it another Braisa Mutter. So how do you reconcile? So Amr Rabbi Yasef, Tani Gurion, the Aspar the Aspurk that that Gurion from Aspurk explained to us that this these two Tanoim, these two Braises is a machlekes Beshamay and Besilo. Beshamay is the one that says that it's usher. Beshamay is the one that says that change does not really change it. Change is not a change. 
Basil Matidim. My Tamadibi Shama, it's all based on the Pasik and Pashis Kisaitse, since the Pasik says at the end, and the Pasik reads like this Lisavi Esnan Zaino, Umechir Kelev, Base Hashem Elekecha, Luchol Neder, Kitayavas Hashem Elekecha, Gam Shaneim. It's Mamash repeating. The words Gam Shaneim is extra. So Gam Shaneim, Larabi Shinri Ayam. Even if you changed it, it's still us. Basilil says, and we had that before, that if you look at the last two letters of the word Shnei Hem, it ends with Hem. Fakad, only it. Hem v'le Shinuyem. Ayu b'shamay yoksiv Hem. Says Hem. So as in the Gemara, Hem is to tell you Hem v'le Valdoi Seim. That if a man gives a zoina an animal, that animal was pregnant, and then the baby is born, the baby could be offered. Only Hem and not Valdoi Seim. Ubeisilil excludes both. Again, it says gam. So gam Bottom line is, Bishamai holds that even if the zoina affects a change, halachically, the change is not a change. And just to conclude on a happy note, that we know that when Mashiach is coming, the halacha is going to be like Bishamai, because even though externally, because of Golus, sometimes, God forbid, Jews change, but a change is not a change. That the positive, the neshama is perfectly intact, which is why we are all worthy and we will all merit the coming of Mashiach. Amen. To be continued.